How come I find, I find myself in fact violating these values? Lord Krishna revealed the order of yajna obtaining in the universe. How come I or anybody for that matter, how come a person violates that? Knowing fully well that what he or she is doing is wrong, how come a person does it? Meaning there seems to be something which makes me helpless to go against my own values. What is it? Kama Eshaha Krodha Lord Krishna says, it is Kama, desire, Krodha. So desire which turns into anger. <coughs> when we cannot control the desires, then desires control us. And when the desire, desire, call it desire, demand, expectation, craving. And when that expectation or demand is not satisfied, then that very demand, that very expectation, that very craving turns into anger. Kamesha, Kurudesha, Rajoguna, Samudbhava. When the mind is predominant in rajas, this is when this kind of karma or desire arises. When you say yesterday, a person is controlled by desires. As long as I can manage my desire, so long desire is a privilege to have. But then when I become managed by desires, then desire becomes a very burden. So what is privilege itself can become a problem. Free will is a privilege. If you can use it properly, it becomes a burden when it is abused. So also to have a desire, ambition itself is alright. It motivates me to achieve something, become bigger and better than what I am. But if I cannot manage my ambitions, cannot manage the desires, then very often the means is a compromise for the sake of end. Then what I want to achieve becomes very important to me and the means by which I achieve, they do not remain important. And that's how a person winds up violating the values. That violation of value is called papa here. Papa means an action performed in violation of value. <coughs> When there is predominance of rajas in the mind, then this kind of karma, craving or strong expectation or desire arises, which in turn gives rise to rajoguna, which disturbs the mind. When this desire arises, it, the mind becomes disturbed, agitated, and compels the person to perform the action to fulfill that desire. So thus this desire arises from rajoguna, and gives rise to Rajoguna. It arises from Ragadvesha and gives rise to Ragadvesha. So earlier Lord Krishna said that everyone is born with a tendency of Raga and Dvesha, attachment and aversion. So attachment and aversions give rise to desires and desires in turn give rise to attachment and aversion. They again give rise to more desires which again give rise to more attachment and aversion. This is a process where the Ragadveshas keep on piling up. And stronger the Ragadveshas are, more helpless I am, more bound I am, more under pressure or compulsion I am. Because what compels me or what pressurizes me are these attachments and aversions of Raga and Dvesha. 
So whether you call it Raga and Dvesha or you call it Kama and Krodha, whatever. But then this represents Rajoguna. As we said yesterday, when the mind enjoys Sattva, then also there can be desire, but that will not be binding desire. When the mind enjoys Sattva, tranquility, transparency, purity, then desire will be those desires which will be in fact something that will help me, that will be desire for knowledge. In a mind like that, there is natural love for knowledge, for scriptures, for Ishwara, for teacher. So that is when a person will want to know and then will go to the Guru. Tad vijnanartham sa guru So that also is a desire. Jignasa or desire for knowledge also is a desire. The sattvic desire. When rajas is there, then the desire for pleasures, enjoyment, achievement, aggressiveness, greed. This is the rajyogana. When tamas is predominant, then person is dull. Sometimes then person can be cruel. So all the cruelty etc. are the result of tamaguna. So rajas and tamas, both of these are binding. Where sattva is releasing. That's why the whole process is to slowly transform mind from tamas to rajas and rajas to sattva. A person who is, I mean, who is controlled by tamaguna will not have any initiative to do anything. He will not do anything. Halasim, laziness, nidra, sleep, pramadam, inadvertence. So these are the results of tamas. When a person has no motivation to do anything, as Juna also had no motivation to do anything, then that person should be whipped up into activity. And so the Shruti, the Vedas will say that, look, if you perform this action, you will get this reward. Therefore, for the purpose of reward, that person will perform the action. So an action performed, even for a personal reward, is better than not performing action at all. Still if the person is not motivated, then the Shruti will show him fear. You fail to perform this duty, then you are incurring sin, you will go to hell. So either by temptation or by fear, a person is whipped into activity from tamas to rajas. When rajas is predominant, then generally the action is self-centered action. It is greed that motivates a person, self-centeredness that motivates a person. Then you turn into sattva. So Lord Krishna says, tadarsam karma kauntya, he kauntya, and now you perform actions with the spirit of yajna, the spirit of selflessness, the spirit of offering. So self-centered actions originated with Rajoguna are to be deliberately transformed to the other-centered actions. A selfless action, this is how the Rajas gets transformed into Sattva. When mind becomes Sattvic, when there is no desire for knowledge, when you manage your mind, mind now you have mastery over your own mind, mind now cooperates with you, you enjoy the blessed grace or favorableness of the mind, then you are now ready to pursue the knowledge on a full-time basis. There is a sanction that you can renounce all activities if you want, go to the teacher and dedicate yourself to the pursuit of knowledge. So this is a process that Bhagavad Gita teaches us. 
But here, the desire that is being talked about is a desire arising from rajas. Which when there is greed, <coughs> lobaha, pravrtyarambaha, karmanam, asyamas praham. Rajas chetani jayante, vivruddhe bharatarshabhaya. Here, Arjuna, when rajas becomes predominant, then there is lobaha, greed. Pravrti, lot of restlessness. Karmanam pravrti, I mean, arambaha, you keep taking one project after the other. Asamaha, the mind is restless. Spruha, there is strong craving or attachment. So this is what is meant by rajas or kama here. So Lord Krishna says that you should not, when this is the kind of mind that you have, do not support and nurture this mind. Have value to slowly transform this mind to sattva. If you don't do that, Mahasana, this Rajoguna, this Kama is a glutton, meaning you can never satisfy it regardless of how much you try to f- fulfill the desires. Mahapapma, a time comes when your desire overtakes your capacity, then it forces you to even violate the values. So, Mahapapma, Vidhyeram, Hivairanam, understand that. This is your very, this is your enemy number one. So thus Bhagavad Gita teaches us to fight the battle, all right? It is not so much to fight the battle outside, it is to fight the battle within ourselves. And then we have to conquer, we have to gain victory in that battle. That is the battle over this Rajas and Tamas, Raga and Dvesha, our own internal impulses. <coughs> And in order for that battle, Lord Krishna identifies here who is the enemy. Vidhyenam he vairanam. Here Juna understand that this craving, this raga and dvesha or kama and krodha are your enemy. Although there is singular here, not dual, because what is kama now becomes krodha. So it will be interesting to understand the mechanism of anger. Because essentially everybody has to deal with anger. <coughs> and anger frustrates us also. And of course from frustration anger also arises. But then, here Lord Krishna says, what is the cause of anger? Very often when anger arises, we get angry at the anger itself and we become frustrated. And not knowing what to do. A person becomes helpless when this impulse of anger arises. And anger will not go unless we remove the cause of anger. So Lord Krishna says, Kama, this demand, expectation, strong desire is the cause of anger. If you want to become free from anger, then examine what are the demands, what are the expectations, what kind of strong desires you have. What are the things that you just cannot do without? Are there things that you have to have? Are there things that you cannot do without? Are there things upon which your security, well-being, comfort strongly depends? Are you strongly dependent upon certain things? Analyze this. And then ask yourself whether you have to maintain this kind of dependence. Do you have to 
sustain these demands, keep up with these demands, or can you drop the demands? What is a demand? Demand is when I want other people to do what I want them to do. I want the world to conduct itself in a manner such as to make me comfortable. I am in such a strong need for comfort and validation and approval that I demand that the world should conduct itself as I want to make me comfortable, make me happy, approve me. This is my constant demand from the world around me, from the people around me, from situations around me. And when they fail to satisfy this demand, that very demand turns into anger. <clears throat> so, this is the first step, is to understand what anger, what's the cause of anger. Now everybody has different kinds of demands, depending upon everybody's uh, emotional makeup, all the kind of complexes that we have about ourselves. But basic complex is that I am not happy with myself. That's the basic complex. I am not satisfied with myself. That's the basic complex. I do not accept myself. From that arises desire that the world should accept me. Since I do not accept myself, I want you to accept me so that I think that I am acceptable. The most important thing for me is to feel that I am alright, I am acceptable, that I am pleased with myself. So seeking a pleased self is nothing but seeking to be acceptable to myself. Since I do not, I do not know how to make myself acceptable, therefore I want the world to accept me. So basic demand that I have from everybody is please love me, please accept me. Please give me comfort. Please uh, make me happy. This is what I'm begging all the time. It is that basic desire that results into variety of demands. Sit down, don't do this, get out, go in, play, don't, you know, stay, whatever I ask for. Why don't you talk? Somebody talk, I shut up. Keep shut up, why don't you talk? If doesn't want to come, come. Wants to come, just get out, whatever, you know. <clears throat> when your presence makes one comfortable, I want to get rid of you. When your absence makes one comfortable, I want your presence. When you don't talk and I'm uncomfortable, I want you to talk. While you're talking, I'm uncomfortable, I want you to shut up. Basically what I want is, you make me happy. You make me comfortable with myself. You help me so that I can accept myself. See, this is seeking help. In every desire, in every demand, in every expectation, understand this. Every expectation is just seeking help from you, although the, the expectation comes out in a very distorted manner, so it doesn't look like I'm asking, mostly I'm demanding. But even in outward demand, understand, there is inner helplessness. Basically, generally speaking, a human being is helpless. Helpless because of the inner pressure, inner likes and dislikes. And sometimes helplessness comes out as crying and seeking favor. Sometimes helplessness comes out as demanding and aggressiveness. So whether it is aggressiveness or whether it is, 
you know, whether it is helplessness. It's inner helplessness alone is what makes a person does what he or she does. So first thing is, let us recognize our helplessness, our likes and dislikes, and see how they, they transform themselves with various expectations, these demands, <coughs> attachments. What is attachment? I cannot do without something. My comfort or happiness depends upon something. Are the presence of something or absence of something? But something else, when I strongly depend upon something else for my happiness, that relationship is called attachment <coughs> or aversion. So we have to recognize our attachment, aversions, our dependence, our helplessness, we have to understand this. And how that helplessness becomes attachments, aversions, expectations, demands, wants, ambitions. Behind all of this is one basic requirement. I want to be comfortable with myself. I want to be acceptable to myself. That's the basic demand. Arising from ignorance, not knowing that wholeness is my nature, I take myself to be an inadequate, wanting, lacking being, and that's how these demands arise. But as long as ignorance is, it just will go on. And more we support our demands, more we support our expectations, more we are supporting ignorance, understand? <laughs> and therefore, I should have basic value of becoming free from demands and expectations. That should be basic value. It will not happen overnight that I have no expectations, no demands. Because from millions of expectations, they cannot go away right, you know, immediately. But a basic value that what is meant by freedom is freedom from expectations, freedom from demands. That is the freedom. Now, of course, that means the freedom from the inner pressure of ragadveshas. But then, at least what I can do is not to allow the ragadveshas to express themselves. And then, you know, subsequent verse will tell us. But this is karma and krodha recognizing the meek, the cause of anger. <coughs> and how this karma krodha, in fact, veils my free will. Dhumena vriyatevanni. The freedom that I have, the free will which is a great privilege, the intellect which I have, which has the capacity to discriminate between what is right and what is wrong. I have that basic capacity to discriminate, to discern what is helpful, what is hurtful, what is right, what is wrong, that faculty I am given. But when either Kama or Krodha or Agadveshas, when they rule my mind, then that free will or my capacity to discriminate is veiled. And these three levels of veiling are being told here. Dhumena avriyate vannihi Just as a smoke, the smoke covers the fire. So first level of demand, expectation or Kama or Krodha is still very gen, very, you know, it starts, it's a very subtle thing. Like the smoke covering the fire. If you address this karma, 
the demand, expectation, anger at that time, just as you can remove the smoke by fan, so also by reasoning you can remove the desire. If you don't do that, yathadarsho malenacha, second level is like the dust covering the mirror, then the mirror cannot do its job of even reflecting. And meaning that the mind cannot do its job of even thinking. It's almost gone beyond our control. But perhaps you can exercise your inner free will and, and stop it. You still don't do that. Just as a fetus is covered by the womb. Meaning that it is the obstacle has become so strong that it is beyond your control. So become alert. As you see a desire arising, or anger arising, or demand arising, before it goes out of control, you can, you can subdue that. If you are alert enough to recognize that it is arising now, then deal with it. If you do not, then it will deal with you. <coughs> so continuing the discussion, the next verse we are told, The last line on page 14. Avrutam jnana metena Jnani no nitya vairina Kama rupena kaunteya Dushpurena nalena cha Aurtam jnanam. Jnanam is vivek jnanam. Our capacity to discriminate. The capacity to discern. We have education, we have culture, we have learned, we have listened to Vedanta, we know what is right and what is not right. We know what is good for me, what is not good for me. I know that being a contributor is a value, not a consumer. I know being non-violent is a value, not violence. I know that being compassionate is a value, not being cruel. And if I'm in my right mind, if my mind is under control, then I can, I can exercise the free will to follow these values. What this karma or kuruda do is, this very capacity of the mind to discriminate itself is veiled or obstructed. When, when anger arises, a person is incapable of seeing what is right and what is wrong. As Lord Krishna says, Jhayato vishyan pumsah sangaste shubhajayate sangat sanjayate kamaha kamat krodho vijayate. When a person dwells upon a given thing for a length of time, either with attachment or aversion, understand. Then first, attachment arises. That turns into a desire or a strong craving. And when desire not satisfied, turns into anger. Krodhat bhodi sammoha When this impulse of anger takes over the mind, sammoha, that is a strong delusion. Delusion meaning that the mind loses the capacity to discriminate. 
and it sees what is wrong is right, what is right is wrong. Moha is seeing what is not there or seeing things differently from what it is. Viveka means seeing things as they are. Moha means aviveka, seeing things opposite to what they are. Krodhat bhodhisammoha, this krodhat anger creates this sammoha aviveka, non-discrimination in my mind and my judgment is completely distorted. What is wrong is seen as right, what is right is seen as wrong. Sammohat smruti vibramaha, thus when my judgment is completely distorted then whatever values I have, which I value normally, all of these is forgotten. Smriti Brahmasat buddhinasaha and thus my buddhi makes a wrong decision. Buddhinasat pranasyati and that's how I wind up doing something that violates the order, that violates my own self and that's how I am inviting pranasya or destruction from my own self. So therefore Lord Krishna says, Avrutam jnanametena jnanino nityavairina. This karma, this krodha is nityavairi, is always an enemy of jnani, of a, a seeker of knowledge. Here jnani does not mean a wise person, but here it means that a person who is, who is discerning person. People like you and I who know now, we have enough exposure to the teaching. And we know how we should conduct ourselves, what is right, what is not right. You see, when you know this, and now if anger arises, or if desire arises, then it does, in fact, it creates twice the amount of unhappiness, frustration. Because even as the desire arises and controls me, I know that this is wrong. As anger is arising and trying to control me, I know this is wrong. Even when I get angry, then I do not like. I know it is wrong thing to do. So even when I am angry, I am unhappy with myself. And as a result of anger, if I hurt somebody, then I further become unhappy with myself. Even when a desire arises, I know that this is desire for something which is not right. I know doctor has told me what is right and wrong for me and what I am doing now is wrong for me. And still if I cannot control, then I am unhappy with myself. How, you know, I am not able to control it. And having done whatever I did because to fulfill that desire, then I regret even further. See, an ignorant person, aviveki, meaning uninformed person, doesn't bother. If he wants to do something, he does it. There's no, no, no conflict. For a, a discerning person, there's a conflict. Even when my mind says, I want there's a conflict, say, hey, mind, this is not right. And still, very often, my mind gets better of me and forces me to do something. So that time also I'm unhappy. And as a result also, I regret what I did. So here Lord Krishna says, for a spiritual aspirant, for a seeker of knowledge, for the one who has value for knowledge, <coughs> for one who has value for vivek or discrimination, one who has value for self-control, that person is doubly made unhappy 
काम रूपेण कौंतेय ही कौंतेय दिस इज अ काम इज अ रूप और द नेचर ऑफ विच दुष्पूरेण अननेन च इज लाइक द फायर विच कैनॉट बी सेशिएटेड एट ऑल मीसी वी टोल्ड यस्टरडे द वर्ड फॉर फायर वन ऑफ द वर्ड्स ऑफ फायर इज अनल अलम अलम मींस इनफ अनलम मींस नॉट इनफ फायर नेवर इज अलम ऑफर व्हाट एवर फ्यूल यू ऑफर it says give me more never says enough and so kama or krodha never says enough you think that anger has come and gone away swami that's why it's gone now why is quiet that's all right only waiting for an opportunity next time it sees that you are now vulnerable you become vulnerable and at any time that fellow will come <coughs> that is how this this kaliyuga uh, All these uh, evil things are always like the waiting for an opportunity, like a thief waits for an opportunity to enter. The moment you make a mistake, you leave some window open, you forgot to lock your door. Fellow is ready. Whether local thief is ready or not, I don't know, but this thief is ready. <laughs> When you are loose, not alert. Then this anger, desire, kama, krodha, waiting, waiting, <clears throat> and by satisfying desire, the mind seems to be free from desire. What's the problem, Swamiji? But then it is waiting for an opportunity to again come and again come and again come. And this you know very well. One cup of tea, you start with that. Then it gives a little, you know, you get stimulated, and then you know feel fresh, and so. Ten o'clock on the cup of tea. Feel fresh. You feel a little tired by eleven thirty on the cup of tea. You don't realize that more tea you take, easier, quicker you get tired also, and more you need, because more we stimulate our, you know, our nervous system, less capable it becomes to stimulate itself, and more dependent it becomes for stimulation. Other thing, a simple example. These are all this tea and coffee is not a big deal, but I'm saying is this is our experience, my experience anyway. How soon before you realize you just get addicted to these things? If coffee can addict me or tea can addict me, what to talk? And we are addicted all the time. See, because all of all of us are addicted equally, therefore we are all normal. <laughs> When somebody gets addicted to drug, then we call him addict. Or the smoking and stuff like that. But then we are addicted. Our palate it demands food. I I I eat not because I am hungry. I eat because I love to eat. <laughs> It's my palate that decides what I eat and what I do. Swami, you didn't eat today anything? No, no, I am not hungry. Actually, it's my palate. We say I don't like this. <sighs> okay. <laughs> I make a show that I am so self-controlled and everything, but it's the palate. Today, Swami, you eat well. Eat well. Okay, that's the palate again. And so, it is what decides. I, if I make decision, what makes decision? <clears throat> so thus, then we there we are addicted because I can I want food only of a certain taste. I want clothes only of a certain kind. I want shoes of a certain type. Be everywhere. From beginning from hair, everything we all of us have needs. You know, we want certain things, not other things. 
It's one thing that you like certain kinds of clothes. It's another thing that you're unhappy when you do not get those clothes. To like something is okay. You enjoy certain food is okay. But you become unhappy when that kind of food is not there, then that's a problem. Then you can say that I'm dependent, I'm addicted. When I cannot, I cannot be comfortable or I'm uncomfortable in absence of something, that shows attachment. Good food comes, enjoy it. Does not come, still enjoy it. Whatever comes, you enjoy, that's fine. See, Vedanta does not say don't enjoy life. It teaches how to enjoy life. You enjoy everything without attachment and aversion. So not let attachment and aversion determine what you enjoy. You determine. And you enjoy whatever comes. But today, it is my attachment and aversion. Kama, Krodha, Raga, Dvesha, they decide what I like and what I don't like. Those Purana, Anarayana, Yajuna, it's like the fire which you can never satiate. <clears throat> Next verse tells us where this Raga, Dvesha, Kama, Krodha are located. So not only you need to know the who your enemy is, but you should know where that fellow's location is so you can go there and deal with it. <clears throat> But this enemy is a, is, is a tough enemy, is a terrorist, and disappears. You go there, he is somewhere else. Go there, because there are so many locations. So that's what Lord Krishna says in the next verse, verse 40. Indriyani mano buddhi Asyadhishthana muchyade Etair vimohayatyesha Jnana mavritya dehinam So these are three places where there are hideouts for Kama. Kama and Kodhi hideouts. Ragadvesha or Kama Krodha or attachment aversion have three hideouts. Indriyani first sense organs. Sense organs of perception, that's first hideout. The craving that we usually have in sense organs. The craving that the palate has. And so, uh, some people are craving, you know, for sweets. <clears throat> so if the meal doesn't have this sweet or is not, you know, it's not conclude, there's no conclusion with a dessert, then you feel incomplete. You have to have it somehow. That craving. Sometimes craving for salt, craving for sugar, craving for a certain kind of taste from the western palate, it has craving for this, eastern palate has craving for that, but anyway, the eyes have craving also to see some beautiful things, colors, forms, ears have craving for pleasant sounds, music, whatever it likes, skin has craving for pleasant touch. Nose is craving for pleasant smell. And sometimes you miss these things. You have to specially reach out for those things. It is one thing that you enjoy a good smell, good music, that's one thing, and that's not craving. The capacity to enjoy things is fine. But what is craving? I cannot do without something. Depends, you know, what your experiences are. 
But sometimes we have, uh, when we observe, not really fast, what is called phalahara. Phalahara means eating fruits and milk, meaning sweet. So fruits and milk, during Navaratri, during some month, you know, and then you observe yourself. As the days pass by slowly, the craving for, I never realized that I needed salt. There's craving for salt, salty thing. You keep on eating sweets every day, the sweet taste. You think that you love that, but no, for two, three days. Fourth day you want something. You cannot keep on eating laddus all the time or, or rasgulla or shikhar something, you know. You need some pickle also in between. You need chutney in between. So also, this palate has different kinds of, this is just one aspect of craving. The sense organs are craving for the respective sense objects. Even organs of action also can have craving. The, the sometimes the organ of speech has a craving. It has to say something. Just this, you know, waiting to say something. When some discussion is going on, this fellow, he is not a part of it, but he has to say something. He just bursts out, you know. Say, so why are you talking? You shut up. You are not part of it. But he can't contain. <coughs> The hands also want to do something, cannot remain quiet. The legs also want to move. So these are the habitual things which are built into the sense organs themselves. <coughs> Indriyani, Manaha. The mind has its own kind of likes and dislikes, attachment, aversions, emotional things. The sense organs are craving for sense pleasures, sense gratification. Mind has a craving for emotional gratification. I get bored. You call a friend. How about going, doing this, doing that, you know, I, you visit that person, they ask that person to visit you. So need to get the gratification, the emotional level. <clears throat> you need father, you need mother, you know, we need different kinds of love. Motherly love we need, fatherly love we need, this like kind of love we need, so. This need for gratification, the emotional level, this is the manas. And the craving for at the intellectual level, craving for learning new things, seeing new things, all this traveling and, and, and internet and whatever it is, learning new things, gives you an excitement. What do you call rasaswada? Even Vedanta also. Anything that really appeals to the intellect. And whenever, whenever intellect finds some new insight, gets something new to know, when some new knowledge comes, people really enjoy that. So enjoyment at the level of intellect, enjoyment at the level of mind, enjoyment at the level of sense organs. <clears throat> at this different level, ego also you should include. Enjoyment at the level of ego. When I am respected, so the name, fame, recognition, power, all of these are the pleasures or enjoyments, the level of ego. Knowing new things, finding new things, seeing new things, give all excitement to intellect. Company of our near and dear ones, friends, all of these give gratification level of emotion. And the objects of senses give us the gratification in the level of the senses. Understand all. So when you say, you know, object, Object means all of this. All these different levels, the karma or the craving is there. 
Etaihi vimohati. Remaining in all these locations, this person deludes this human being. Jnana mahavrutya, concealing, veiling, obstructing his jnanam, his sense of discrimination. His capacity to discriminate is veiled by his karma and makes me do things that are not becoming of me. Enjoying things is one thing, but chasing enjoyment is another thing. Enjoying at all levels is fine. If it happens in normal course, but when I chase those things, when I'm driven to achieve, to acquire those things at emotional level, intellectual level, egoistic level, I feel lack of them. I feel wanting without them. That is called karma. So absence of which makes you feel wanting, lacking, incomplete, unhappy. You can't do without it. That's called karma. So understand, enjoying what is is not thing here. But absence of happiness or absence of comfort in absence of something. When my comfort or happiness depends upon, I cannot do without something. That's what is meant by karma. And this is there at all the levels. <clears throat> so what should you do? Next verse tells us this. Tasmatum Adu, at the first step, Arjuna, do this. Indriyani, Niyamya. So control is the first step. If you have value, first thing is to have value for freedom, which of course everybody has. But to understand what is meant by bondage, that it is this impulse of likes and dislikes, the impulse of karma krodha, that in fact deny me the freedom. That they control, whenever I am controlled by them, I am bound. So freedom means becoming free from karma krodha, becoming free from anger. In fact, deny me the freedom. That they control, whenever I am controlled by them, I am bound. So freedom means becoming free from karma krodha, becoming free from anger, becoming free from demands, becoming free from cravings. That should be the first value. Now recognizing that this karma or the demand or desire, are all the three levels, niyamya, first Arjuna you control. Also, when it's said that these three levels, the desire is karma is that, sense organs, mind and intellect. What it also means is that at the level of intellect, our intellect has a capacity to reason. But this karma controls reasoning. This fellow actually influences my reasoning, uh, my, my reasoning or my arguing uh, method. 
So just to remind you in Kathopanishad, there is a very beautiful imagery of a chariot. There it is said that this body can be compared to a chariot. Atmanam rathinam viddhi shariram rathamevatu. This body is comparable to a chariot. The sense organs of perception can be compared to the horses because they drag the horses, they drag the chariot, the sense organs drags the body to the sense pleasure. The mind is compared to the rain of the horses. The intellect is compared to the charioteer. So buddhi, buddhim the sartham buddhi, buddhi the sarthi or the charioteer. <coughs> so charioteer is intellect. The reins, the mind, manas. And the horses are the sense organs. Now you know what Lord Krishna said? Indriyane mano buddhi asyadishthana muchyadi. This kama is located in all of them. Meaning kama controls the horses, the rain, as well as the charioteer. Who are we? We are riding that chariot. Atmana vratanam viddhi. This jivatma, this individual self is a rider in the chariot. Like you go to, uh, um, you know, Rome, go to Italy. And after clearing your customs and everything, you come out, you are, go for a taxi cab. Apparently Italian taxi cabs are well known for taking you round and uh, even if the hotel is right across, you, you are just new, you don't know the language also. He'll take you there. After a few rounds and half an hour, he'll bring you that location. This is what they take you for a ride. Because that taxi driver is controlled by the greed and not by his honesty. So also understand I am riding this chariot, which is driven by the intellect, which is guided by the intellect and driven by the horses, which are the sense organs. Now karma is our enemy. All these three, this, the horses, the rain, and the charioteer, the sense organs, the mind and the intellect, all these three are controlled by karma, remote control. You know these double agents in the olden days? You think this fellow is your agent, he is an enemy's agent. So also karma is an enemy, he controls the whole personality. So how does this karma control or influence the intellect? By wrong reasoning. Justifying wrong things. No, no, intellect says this is quite right, nothing wrong in it. Everybody does it. What's wrong with it? And that's the only way in 21st century, what can you do? This is the only way to do. And that's an intellect, first of all, reasons and justifies that happiness is out there. That is the intellectual perception. What's the basic perception? that I am unhappy by nature and happiness is to be found there. Then it says to the mind, come on mind now, get that thing. So the big minds become emotional. And he says, I want it, I want it. And tell sense organs, come on, go and get them. So intellect, the mind and sense organs, all of these are controlled by karma. We think that we are doing something right 
I have thought about it, but you thought all wrongly. Just because you think doesn't mean that you are thinking, right? <laughs> if that thinking is controlled by karma or agadvesha, everybody thinks. When a person commits some murder, he thinks, he plans for six months. When a thief commits uh, theft, he also thinks and plans. And he thinks that he is doing the right thing. That's the way to do. That's what he deserves. When a person commits murder of, of a, you know, of a political leader, John F. Kennedy, whatever, Robert Kennedy, whatever it is, or Martin Luther King, assassinated. Whoever the assassin is, of course, then, in this case, they may be just agents, you know, who did this, so they may be professional people. But sometimes a person does it by himself, he gets so angry. He justifies it. This is what this, that is the right thing for the country. That's the right thing for this. So the intellect justifies that this is the right cause. And then tells the mind that now then plan happens, you know, all planning takes place. And tells the hand to do. So, buddhi, manaha, indriyani. Usually all of these are controlled by kama or krodha or ragadveshas. Therefore, ragadveshas use our intellect, our mind, our sense organs to fulfill their agenda and not the agenda of self. <clears throat> therefore, tasmatvindriyanyadav niyamyadavai arjuna first of all control the intellect, the mind and the sense organs. Control the thinking of intellect and introduce proper thinking and reasoning based on what Vedanta teaches us. That Atma is Purna. What I am seeking is happiness. Happiness is my own nature. It is to be, it is not to be achieved or acquired, it is to be made manifest. It is praptasya prapti, attainment of what is already attained. Like missing glasses, you know, the glasses, you cannot, if you search for it, then you are never going to find it. So intellectually told, hey look, intellect glasses right here. The happiness is right there. Therefore don't run around and don't beg. So first of all, working with the intellect and correcting the perception of the intellect. Intellect is the wrong perception that I am unhappy by nature and happiness is objects of the world. That is how the karma controls intellect. Therefore, work with your intellect and introduce the right reasoning based on what Vedanta teaches us. That the mind, mind is an impulsive faculty. Mind wants to justify its anger, justify its cravings, reason with the mind. <clears throat> Sometimes, even when the intellect knows what is right, the mind does not. You know, mind is habitual faculty. Even when I know something is not right, my mind just does not cooperate and say, I want it. Like a child, you tell, you already had three candies, come on now, don't ask for the fourth candy. I want ma'am, your teeth will be ruined, I don't care. Your stomach, your leg, your stomach, I don't care. So sometimes the mind is like that, regardless of what reasoning intellect has, mind wants to do it. Niyamya, you tell the mind, no, this much and no more. Or educate the mind. Dosa drishtya muhur muhu. Let the mind see 
Mind you remember what happened to you last time when you did this? It forgets. It got beaten up last time. It forgets and wants again. So remind the mind. All the disadvantages that are involved in fulfilling this desire. Dosha drishtya muhurmuhu. What doshas, what defects, what pain or suffering is involved in acquiring object, in enjoying it and in separation from it. There is pain at all levels. So dosha, the two sides of a coin, the mind has a habit only of seeing one aspect of anything and then it wants it. You have to make the mind deliberately see the other aspect of it. There is, there is always some virtue as well as limitation in everything. When the mind sees virtues, it wants it. When it sees vices, it hates it. So attachment and aversion, both of these are the results of our partial perception. We do not see the thing in totality. We see only one aspect of it. When you like the person, we cannot say anything wrong in that person. Regardless of what that person does, I cannot say anything wrong in it. I love my child, whatever the child does. You will beat up somebody. Yeah, see, my child is so strong now. <laughs> Sometimes even a doctor's bad word. See, now he's become so smart. It commits the theft. He's become, you know, I cannot say anything wrong. When there's love or attachment, I cannot say anything wrong. And when I hate something, I cannot say anything right then. Even the fellow does something good. No, no, he's a, he's a hypocrite, Swamiji. You don't know. So raga, attachment makes me see only virtue or I impose, superimpose virtues upon something and I get attached. Or I superimpose all vices upon something and I hate it. So this attraction and hatred are nothing but the result of perception of the mind. And mind always projects, does not see things as they are. We do not live in an objective world, we live in a subjective world of our own. That's called Jiva Srishti, creation of the individual. Ishvara has created the world, Ishvara Srishti. I have my own Jiva Srishti, the individual creation. So now next time, the mind wants something. Let the mind see also, what are the disadvantages involved? What is the defect that is involved? What's the pain that is involved in fulfilling the desire? Intellect is really easy to deal with because when intellect is exposed to the teaching, then it changes. It's easy, you know, because intellect works with reasoning. But that is only a first step. I understand Bhagavad Gita very well, that's beautiful, first step. Second is to train the mind to be in alignment with intellect. Mind is a habitual faculty, a reacting faculty. It is not the fault of mind because so far we had the wrong understanding. So mind has been so far working based on the wrong understanding. Now your understanding changes. Mind cannot change all of a sudden. You are driving your car at 80 miles an hour, merrily going and the car is accustomed to now running at 80 miles an hour. Although you recognize, you, know, you switch on your GPS and say, hey, this is the wrong direction, make about turn, suppose it says. You cannot turn your car right away because car is a momentum. 
you have to slow down the car at the speed of 10 miles an hour and then you can take a turn. So mind is like that car, a habitual faculty, has been running at a certain speed based on what it thinks is right. Now your concept of what is right has changed, which is good. But to bring that mind in alignment takes its own time. This is where all the sadhanas come. <clears throat> so Vedantic sadhana is dosha drishtya muhur muhu. Again and again, making the mind see the disadvantages, the pain, the defects involved in fulfilling its desires. Even the desires are unreasonable. And so this will take a long time, training the mind, bringing it into the mind means habitual faculty, impulsive faculty, reacting faculty. Intellect is thinking faculty, knowing faculty, discerning faculty. So, Adho Niyamya, Arjuna, do this, and craving at the level of sense organs, control, self-control. Craving. The, the pilot wants it. Draw the boundaries. This much you can have and no more. So pleasures, not that you deny yourself the pleasures. At the same time, there should be all everything within reason. They say innocent pleasures in moderation. Innocent pleasures in moderation. As long as our sense organs want pleasure, innocent pleasures, and that in moderation, that we allow our sense organs that much kind of an indulgence. Draw the boundaries, control. Indriyani, adu, niyamya. It's called damaha, controlling the sense organs. <coughs> With a value, understand. Not suppressing them. But have value for becoming free, have value for self-control. And that's why I'm controlling. Not out of helplessness, out of an understanding. Papmanam prajahikyenam jnana vijnana nasanam Here, Juna, you drive away prajahihi. Comes from the root ha means to give up. Prajahati. Prajahi. You give up this, drive away this desire. Because if you allow it to hack, if you allow it to continue, jnana vijnana nasanam, it destroys your knowledge, it destroys all the culture and everything that you have. It destroys whatever maturity you gain. All of that, this will destroy if you allow it to control you. <clears throat> so the first level, this is called yoga. Yoga is changing from wrong habits to creating the right habits. <clears throat> in sense organs, mind, intellect. Then you have what we call an integrated personality. A personality that enjoys alignment or harmony where the intellect, the mind, the sense organs, all of them are harmony. Antahakana Shuddhi, purification of mind, emotional maturity, this is what you get as a result of this. And still you have not won the battle totally, but you won battle largely. The final, this is yoga, called karma yoga you can call it, the yoga, then comes jnanam. Ultimately we become free when the ignorance is dispelled. So that's what the next verse is. <clears throat> Indriyani Paranya Huhu Indriyabhya Paramanaha 
मनसस्तु परा बुद्धि यो बुद्धे परतस्तु सह There is a verse in the second chapter which we quoted yesterday. Vishayaha vinivartante nirahara siddhinaha rasavarjam rasopyasya param dushtva nivartate. That we can create a distance to the sense objects or sense pleasures, but the taste or attachment for that still remains with us. So this process of controlling sense organs, of educating the mind, of educating the intellect has largely given away all the gross uh, desires and all the gross attachments have gone away. And still, a certain level of craving or attachment still remains. So, until you discover total happiness with yourself, the mind always will want to be happy. So, second step is to discover happiness as your own self. Rasopyasya Param drishtvani vardate. The subtle raga that is left, subtle attachment that is left, can be removed only when the mind is exposed to the self, when it has the knowledge of the self. <coughs> How to gain that knowledge? Indriyani parani ahuhu. This is the viveka atma anatma viveka, or the separation of the self from the non self. Indriyani Parani Ahuhu. Lord Krishna says that, they say that the sense organs are superior to the body, superior to the objects, superior to the external things. Subtler, subtler, superior, more pervasive, and you know, controller. Sense organs are controlling the body. Sense organs control the objects. So sense organs are subtler, superior, higher. More pervasive. So shift your now identification from body to sense organ. I am not the body. Sense organs I am. First level of realization if you want to call it. Indriya paramanaha. But the mind is even subtler than the sense organs. Superior to sense organs. Inner as compared to sense organs. Which control the sense organs. Shift your identification from sense organs to the mind. The sense organs I am not. Nacha shrotra jikve, nacha ghrana netre, nacha vyama bhumir, na tejo na vayu. I am not those. Manasastu parabuddhi. Superior to the mind, the emotional faculty, the reacting faculty, the habitual faculty. Superior to that is intellect, the thinking faculty, knowing faculty, determining faculty. See, understand that the conclusion of intellect alone have resulted into the habits of the mind. So ultimately it is intellect, the conclusions or perceptions or understanding of intellect that determines the habits of the mind. So intellect is superior to the mind. Shift to identification. Yo buddhe paratastu saha, and that which is even superior to the intellect, subtler than intellect, inner as compared to intellect. Who is that? Saha, that one. Who is that one? That's the self. Atma, the consciousness. 
self-revealing consciousness, which is a self. That is superior to intellect also because it illumines the intellect. Witness of intellect, illumining intellect, enlivening intellect. So consciousness first enlivens intellect. Through that, the mind is enlivened. Through that, the sense organs are enlivened. Through that, the body is enlivened. Yo buddhe paratastusaha. That which is even paraha, superior to or subtler than the buddhi, the intellect. And so, knowing that, last verse is, evam buddhe param buddha samstabhyatmanamatmana jai shatrum mahabaho kamarupam durasadam evam buddhe param buddhva thus knowing yourself that which is even subtler than the buddhi subtler than the intellect so buddhi or the intellect is the subtlest aspect of our mind sense organs are the grossest aspect subtler than that is the manas and subtler than the buddhi and subtler than that even the illuminator of the intellect is a self the self-revealing consciousness evam buddhi param buddhva in this manner Recognizing that the body is a non-self, sense organs are non-self, mind is non-self, intellect is non-self because I am aware of all of them. I am their witness, I am the illuminator. I am always there when they are there, but I am there even when they are not there. They depend upon me, I do not depend upon them. Evam buddhe param buddhva, thus knowing the one that is even superior to the intellect, the illuminator of the intellect, that is you, the self, the consciousness. Samstabhya atmanam atmana, then gain an abidance in that knowledge. Know that your consciousness. And then atmana atmanam samstabhya. Make the mind steady with the help of this knowledge, with the help of the intellect. So mind again may have some distraction, may have his old habits to some extent. Make the mind also steady and abiding in this knowledge with the help of the intellect. Jai Shatrum Mahabaho, He Mahabahu, He Arjuna, gain and abidance in the knowledge of the self. <coughs> So what is meant by rooted in the self is being rooted in the knowledge of the self. Everything is rooted in the self, but then we are not rooted in knowledge of the self. We are rooted in the body because as long as we take the body to be self, that is where I am rooted. If I take the mind to be self, that's where I am rooted. Take the ego as the self, that's where I am rooted. Knowing consciousness in myself, that's where I am rooted. Stam sabhya atmana 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 Be rooted now in the knowledge that your consciousness gain also an abidance in that knowledge which also is a process which is what we call nidindhyasana Whatever habitual error is there of identifying with the body habitual error overcome that by buddhi by the dhairya by fortitude 
by patience, by application, remove also the habitual error and gain an abundance of knowledge that I am Brahman, I am consciousness, I am limitless, I am whole, I am Ananda. So when you become the owner of that Ananda which is yourself, there can be no now any taste or any craving left for anything else. Because the reason for those cravings is lost because you are not the owner of your own self. You recognize yourself as limitless, as ananda. Then all the residual desire, residual craving or attachment also goes away. <clears throat> so what desire to understand is craving. The fascination that we have for sense gratification, for gratification. That ultimate fashion, even the subtle karma or the rasa also goes away when you see yourself as ananda, as a source of happiness. Jai Shatrum Mahabaho, that's how the karma is destroyed. So far you are driving away, now with this subtle rasa also going away, the karma is, the very cause of karma is destroyed. What's the cause of karma? Ignorance. What does ignorance do? Create a sense of inadequacy. In the wake of the knowledge of self, when the inadequacy goes away completely, the very cause of karma goes away. So karma or the craving is destroyed, never to arise again. That's how wise person is described. Prajahati yada kama. When one gives up completely all the karma, meaning all the craving, all the attachment, all the fascination that one has, because now Atmaniva Atmanatushtaha is discovered a complete satisfaction or contentment with himself, and therefore the need for contentment or satisfaction has gone away. The need for satisfaction is karma. It becomes subtler and subtler and subtler. As the mind becomes purer and purer, you keep discovering happiness from your own self. And this need becomes less and less and less. And finally, it completely goes away when one gains an abundance in knowledge of the self. <clears throat> abundance in knowledge that I am whole, I am ananda. Jai Shatrum Mahabaho, Mahabaho destroy this enemy. This is a battle. This is a battle that Bhagavad Gita teaches us to fight. The external battle of Pandava, Kaurava is alright. Bhagavad Gita is not about that battle. In the battle of midst of battlefield, this battle is, you know, Lord Krishna wants Arjuna to first win this battle. And then, then fight that battle. If you fight out of anger, out of craving, out of greed, out of the impulses, it is going to be violence, it is going to be adharma. You who wants to protect dharma cannot actually fight on the basis of adharma. So whenever you do anything out of anger, or greed, or hatred, it is adharma. However noble that action supposedly may be, but then it is adharma. Arjuna also fights battle out of anger, hatred for those people, with the idea of revenge. This revenge, hatred, anger, However noble the cause is, makes it violence. So first of all, conquer those things. Vidhyenam hevairanam. Know this to be your enemy. This anger, the hatred, the retaliation. This is your enemy. First overcome that. 
whether you perform the act of fighting battle or whatever action you perform in our day to day life, when can you really play your role well? When the mind is free from this enemy. We are not able to play the roles properly or well because our mind is controlled by this enemy. So Lord Krishna has identified for us this enemy and told us also a method of how to conquer this enemy in two stages. First stage of conquering is by understanding and by reasoning and educating the mind and controlling sense organs. And final level is knowing and abiding in the knowledge of the self. Jai Shatrum Mahabaho, He Mahabaho, O mighty armed one. So his mighty arm is quite capable of taking care of these Kauravas. But these enemies are different kind, different kind of arms you require for that. With the mighty arm ones also are controlled by their karma anyway. And so you may be a dictator, so what? You think that you are the you are the emperor of the whole world, you may be. But this karma is your emperor. And so you are a slave. People think that they become powerful by controlling others, but that lust for power itself controls them. And therefore, first of all, become your own master. You master your mind, master yourself, you master the whole world. And you won't need to master anything. Just become free from all these needs and cravings. Then do what you want to do. Whatever Ishwara wants you can do, then you can become an emperor also. Nothing wrong in it. You become whatever. You become an emperor. You want to become a rich, wealthy person. Not you doesn't want you find yourself becoming that okay. Whatever Ishwara wants to do, whatever kind of role he wants to give you, accept it. Whatever role then you take, you're going to make that role beautiful. It will be just a great blessing. This person becomes a blessing wherever the person is. And whatever that person does or even doesn't do, if this person sits in a cave, because what a person does is not determined by knowledge, is determined by prarabdha. We discussed it earlier. In case of King Janaka, there are different kinds of wise people. The Shukadeva is a great yogi, doesn't do anything. Where Janaka is a great emperor, constantly is busy. Krishna is a great bhogi. Vasishtha is all devoted to karma, rituals. What they do is determined by the destiny of Prarabdha. Ishwara decides that. The wise person doesn't bother whether what he does, whether he does. The important thing is to gain that inner freedom. And that's what Lord Krishna teaches here. So even though the topic is karma yoga, ultimately the topic is naishkarmya. The whole thing started with naishkarmya, freedom from action. Means freedom from karma, which final result means freedom from ignorance. So first freedom from karma in a relative sense, then freedom from karma in absolute sense by knowledge. This is what Lord Krishna taught in the third chapter. Kama Rupam Durasadam. Fellow difficult one, this Kama is a very very elusive fellow, difficult to understand. Sometimes you are dictated by the Kama, you don't even know. In a subtle way, it always it tries to fulfill agenda. <clears throat> so anyway, more discerning you become, more you know the ways of your mind, 
and more you can spot that karma and then deal with it. <coughs> In this manner, the third chapter comes to a conclusion. Let us read the last sentence, Allah last Sankal Vakya. Om Tatsada It is Shri Mad Bhagavad Gita Su Upanishad Su Brahma Vidyayam Yoga Shastre Shri Krishna Arjuna Samvade Karma Yoga Nama Om Tatsat means conclusion. When you conclude something, Om Tatsat. <coughs> it is in this manner, Srimad Bhagavad Gita. So, Srimad Bhagavad Gita. Srimata Gita. Srimata Bhagavata Gita is Srimad Bhagavad Gita, which is sung by Bhagavan. Sriman Bhagavan. In Sri means Brahma Vidya. So Lord Krishna, when he was, he basically become identified with, or his mind was filled with Brahma Vidya. Sri also can mean the wealth and, and prosperity and beauty, but here Sri means Brahma Vidya. So Lord Krishna, Sri Bhagavan, endowed with Brahma Vidya. Srimata Bhagavata Gita. Gita, this this is which is sung by or taught by Bhagavan Lord Krishna, who is endowed with Brahma Vidya. Or sometimes they say Srimati Bhagavati Gita. Then Gita becomes name Gita. It's this text. Srimati itself is endowed with Sri or the wealth and knowledge. Bhagavati itself has a capacity. Who is Bhagavan? Bhagasyastiti Bhagavan. One who possesses a six-fold bhaga is called Bhagavan. Interestingly enough, Shankaracharya ji has given the meaning of the word Bhagavan in this, at this point, you know, when in the 37th verse, Lord Krishna, Sri Bhagavan, Vare, then he gives the meaning, right? surprisingly, at this point, even though Bhagavan started in second chapter, in first chapter, but then here he gives the meaning. Aishwarya Adishatkam Aishwaryasya, Samagrasya, Dharmasya, Yashasaha, Shriyaha, Vairagyasya, Tamokshasya, Sarnam, Bhagaitingana. These six are called Bhaga. Aishwaryasya, Samagrasya. So majesty. Samagrasya, one who possesses majesty, unimpeded, total, in full measure. Dharmasya, one who possesses also dharma in the full measure, righteousness. Yashaha, one who possesses fame. Shriyaha, possesses wealth and beauty. Vairagya, possesses dispassion. And moksha, knowledge, possesses the wisdom. In total measure, is called Bhagavan. So Gita is called Bhagavati, which means she also possesses all of this in the total measure. Meaning, just as Lord the, the, the capacity to bless you, Gita itself is Bhagavati. It can bless you because she herself possesses all this Bhaga, all these glories. Srimati Bhagavati Gita. Srimad Bhagavad Gita Su. In this Bhagavad Gita, Upanishad Su. Bhagavad Gita is itself Upanishad, the status of Upanishad. 
सो ही चैप्टर ऑफ गीता इज समाइम्स कॉल उपनिषद समबड़ी एवरी वर्ड इज उपनिषद वाट एवर दैट्स मैटर ऑफ योर सेंटिमेंट बट देन बेसिकली भगवत उपनिषद बिकॉज he teaches the same thing that upanishad teach and is taught by the same one who has taught the upanishad also brahma vidyayam the main topic is brahma vidya knowledge of brahman yoga shastra brahma vidya is sadhya yoga shastra karma yoga 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 is shastra of scripture of yoga yoga is sadhanam the means the knowledge brahma vidya is sadhya and shri krishna arjuna samvad which is in the form of dialogue between shri krishna and arjuna karma yoga nama tritiya adhyaya this third chapter entitled karma yoga <coughs> sarva dharman parityajya mamekam sharanam raja अहंतापेभ्य मोक्षयिष्याशु हरि ओ पूर्णमद पूर्णमिद पूर्णात्ूर्णमुगछते पूर्णस्य पूर्णमादा पूर्णमेवशिष्य शाति 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 शंकर शंकराचार्यदरायण सूत्रभाष्यत वंदे भगवतुनःश्वरो गुरुरात्मे मूर्ति भेद विभागिने व्योमेहाय दक्षिणामूर्त नम ओ शाति 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 हरि ओ श्रीगुरभ्यो नम हरि ओ